Hello, everybody. This is Evan Young with The Boxing Forecast. We have a lot of boxing to go over tonight. Uh, this is uh, Monday night, although I may not let this out until Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, I missed uh, doing the pod uh, late last week. Just got caught up in some stuff, but we do have a lot to go over. So tonight... Uh, I will talk about the uh, the three cards that are coming up this weekend. There's uh, two cards from the UK. There's a card on Friday uh, featuring Marate Mithalani versus Sonny Edwards and Michael Conlon versus Aonet Baluta. Those are the two uh, main fights on that card. That fight is televised on ESPN+. Uh, and then on Saturday, we have Derek Chisora taking on Joseph Parker. Dimitri Bivol returns against uh, uh, British domestic Craig Richards and James Tennyson, a KO artist of late, uh, takes on Giovanni Strafon. Now, uh, also on Saturday, we have a, a Fox uh, pay-per-view card featuring Andrew Ruiz. And Chris Ariola, that's a pretty full card. Uh, pretty good fights, uh, top to bottom on that. Uh, we have Sebastian Fondora versus Jorge Cota, Arislandi Lara versus Thomas Cornflake, Cornflake Lamana, Eduardo Ramirez versus Isaac Avatar, Omar Figueroa versus Abel Ramos. Ramos's nephew, Jesus Alejandro Ramos versus Javier Molina, and Adrian Granados versus Jose Luis Sanchez uh, of the Sanchez uh, brothers uh, boxing family. So that's a pretty full card. I mean, none of the fights are outstanding, but there's a bunch of, you know, they're all solid fights. But before I get to this weekend's fights, I'll just go over the some of the fights that have happened over the last... Uh, uh, last weekend and this weekend, just to touch base on everything there. Uh, first of all, I guess I'll just get into uh, the Jake Paul fight on Triller. Uh, it seems to uh, Jake Paul seems to be causing a great divide amongst uh, boxing fans. Uh, for me, I really don't care. I don't care if he brings eyes to boxing. I don't care if he detracts from boxing. I just look at him as a guy that uh, is working on his craft. Uh, he's training and he's uh, and he's fighting uh, odd marquee fights against uh, n- you know novelty opponents. Uh, I I do think he can fight a bit uh, for his level. I think he can uh, fight. He, I think he's in good shape. I think he takes it seriously. I have nothing against Jake Paul. Uh, for me, I wouldn't buy a pay-per-view with Jake Paul, but uh, I don't mind him seeing attached to a card. I will watch him. Uh, he, he would just be like any, uh, if it wasn't for his YouTube fame and notoriety, he would just be like any uh, 3-0 and fighter in any region of the country uh, trying to pad his record. Although he's, you know, padded it against unusual opponents in uh, uh, the NBA player and... Uh, Ben Askren, and then this first fight with some YouTuber. So uh, he's uh, he's moving forward. Uh, you know, he's not compelling to me, but I'll certainly take a look at him as he as he goes forward. I I don't see him uh, winning a title, but I see him competing in some interesting fights. I I think his team will pick wisely. Uh, likely, they will step up. Uh, the level of competition slowly with every fight, I would think, and just try to take on opponents that are a little bit more credible and better than uh, than the last. Uh, it was kind of funny with the uh, with the Askren fight. Uh, it seemed to be a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of MMA people took umbrage with the fact that uh, Askren got wiped out and. And the fact that uh, he was an actual, you know, combat fighter that just looked so out of his uh, 
out of his depth in this fight. But you have to remember, this guy came off hip surgery, gained a ton of weight. He was grossly out of shape. And in spite of his wrestling acumen, which is substantial, he's a crap striker. I mean, he is really a a below-average striker when it comes to... uh, any kind of combat. There's people on every street corner in every inner city that would light him up <laughs> if they were throwing hands. The guy is awful with his hands. He's a great grappler, but he's awful with his hands. He's he's not a Kamaro Usman who's managed to uh, dap some uh, hands into his game, and a lot of other wrestlers in the MMA have uh, have have been able to develop reasonable striking games to go along with their. Uh, they're grappling, uh, but he's never been one of those guys. He's a pure wrestler, and he was damn good. He was a really good wrestler, but it's just not enough to overcome strikers. He's not physically strong, really. I mean, in a certain way, he's just kind of looks like he's laid off uh, training. Obviously, he didn't really take this fight seriously. He was looking for a payday, and uh, the Paul play was a good bet. And I uh, I backed that, and that was that was easy pickings. Now, you know, no people can't get too bent out of shape about Jake Paul. I mean, it really, you know, it doesn't. It, it shouldn't offend any offend anybody's sensibilities that he's doing this. Just uh, you know, ignore it or watch it, but it really doesn't make a difference. Uh, eventually, if he steps up uh, and fights better people. You know, he's going to get knocked out, too. It just happens. Uh, you know, he might bring some eyes to boxing, but it's not my concern about trying to save boxing. You know, you're going to get people that like it. You're going to get people that don't. You're going to get some that tune in. You're going to get casuals. But it's not my interest to worry about that. I'm just looking for good fights every weekend with the possibility of making decent plays on those fights uh, there's an old saying in boxing. You can't fix it, and you can't kill it. It's always going to be here. Uh, Jake Paul plays a very small role in the sport. There are people watching him, but uh, let it play out. You know, I do respect his, uh, you know, his, his uh, commitment to it. He appears to be uh, into it. He's kind of one of those, just one of those guys that just, put his all into things and and is willing to take risks. I, you know, obviously he hasn't taken a huge risk in a match yet. He's been very well matched, but I think he'll step up. I, th- I don't think he's afraid to take a loss, and uh, we'll see what he does uh, down the line, if he actually takes on an actual professional fighter or will he take on another uh, uh, MMA guy. Perhaps uh, Tyron Woodley could be in the cards. I don't know. That was talked about. And he's a better striker than Askren. And, uh, you know, let him take another MMA scalp if, uh, if he can. I think he can beat a few MMA guys when it, when it comes to pure boxing. He's not bad, actually. He's fairly athletic. I mean, if you look at him, uh, at the way, and the guy's fit. Strong set of legs, well-proportioned, moves well. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, good athlete. What are you going to say? So he's a YouTube nitwit. He's a good athlete. And he's, and he's a decent fighter, right? You know, I've... Grown up on local fighters fighting in club shows that were decent too, you know, and they'll take it as far as they can. But uh, he uh, obviously has an advantage for his own earning potential with uh, with the uh, with the eyes and money he can bring to it. So hey, that's good for him. That's his hustle, and uh, he's worked it out. That's uh, that's fine. Whatever, boxing moves with or without him. So whatever. All right. Uh, next fight uh, I'll talk about from last weekend is Demetrius Andrade versus Liam Williams. Now, I was a bit harsh on Andrade in my last podcast, but I do have to respect his talent. I do like the guy. Uh, it's just he, he has been he has shown some frustration in uh, his fights where he pretty much drops everybody he fights but doesn't always score early KOs. Uh, and he did the same thing in this fight. But this was a bit of a different fight. Liam Williams was uh, prepared as a man could be to do battle. He was ready to pretty much die in there and and nearly did. Well, I'm exaggerating, but 
the guy got in incredible shape for this fight. He's super strong. And Andre's talent just overrode everything Williams could do. I mean, he almost had Williams out early. It looked like Andre went for it, almost blasted him out early. He's just so much superior uh, uh, reflex-wise and and vision and reaction time. But and he had to show he had to go through a little bit of a couple of rough spots in the fight because Williams was so determined. It, there was times in there where Andre it was breathing hard. He was uh, under stress at times, but he never he never came close to really uh, losing it and uh, always held firm. And you know when it looked like Williams might try to get a foothold in the fight, where he did a few times, Andre would just start whipping his fast hands his uppercut couldn't miss he couldn't he could have closed his eyes and hit him with that with that uppercut he was just nailing him all night long with that and uh yeah you know he looked terrific he you know Andre does have he he's not someone that can fight 12 rounds at at a pace like Williams but he doesn't have to with his talent he can win rounds and he can hurt people and move around and and sort of slip uh, awkwardly away from opponents as they come to him. He's it's it's a gift to have those kind of talents. Williams has to do it the hard way. He has to walk in the front door. He has to be strong. He has to be in better shape than his opponents and stronger than them in order to to have a chance. Andre doesn't need to be superior in those particular domains because he's so talented and gifted. So he's fortunate in that regard. And this was a, you know, this showed that, you know, it, it gave him a little test. He, you know, he had to work for this in, in a certain degree. And he he certainly passed through it with flying colors. Uh, Williams forced him into a uh, into a tougher fight than he would have liked. But he he handled it really well and he nearly won all the rounds. So uh, if you have a knock on Andre, it's, you know, obviously he's not, he's not a hundred punch around guy and he's not someone that... Uh, you know that relishes that pressure. He just uh, he doesn't do it, but he can he can find moments where he can just get guys off of him, and he certainly did that to Williams on the night. Now I look at Williams, and uh, you know he would have been a a pain in the ass for anybody that night. I mean he was he was strong. He was he was not to be uh, deterred. I mean he was really hit with some hard shots, and he just kept coming the guy is uh you know he would he could break somebody else's heart on the night but Andre was just uh had too much he's just you know, Andre you got to remember world champion amateur really solid fighter uh and uh you know as for Williams you know I would think he'd need a bit of a rest after this but there's some dream matchups I wouldn't mind seeing Williams in how about him and uh Sergey Deravianchenko, that would be incredible. That would be an amazing fight. Or him and Jaime Munguia. How about that? That would be a great fight. Wow, those would be crazy brawls. And and I wouldn't know who would win. I'd have to wait and, you know, if they're signed, I'd certainly look at it closer. But those would be incredible fights. As for Andre, I mean, it would be a shame if he doesn't get to fight uh, Jamal Charlo, Charlo or uh, Golovkin or something. I mean, he's... Uh, He's with the zone. They could make Golovkin. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't know all the inner machinations on who wants who, but I don't know if Golovkin relishes that fight. Uh, and Charlo with him would be a great fight. I mean, Andre's 33. Uh, Charlo's 30. I mean, he, you know, just let him get one of those fights. I mean, that's really something he, I think he wants and uh, the fans would like to see. Let him step up and get into these fights. So uh, let's see what Andre can do. Uh, it was a fairly uh, entertaining fight the other day, you know, perhaps because William pressed him, but uh, forced Andre to work and learn a little bit more about himself. Obviously, obviously he wasn't uh, pressed to the brink, but he definitely was under a bit of duress. So credit to Williams and Andre for... Uh, getting through a really strong guy. The guy uh, might have beaten a lot of other people on that night. So 
Andre's talent just uh, rose to the top. The cream rose to the top there. Uh, also on that Triller card was Regis Progre, who was really a solid professional fighter. I mean, he's more than solid. He's probably, you'd say he's the top top three in the division at 140. And uh, I'm one that thought he was starting to uh, take over with Taylor in the very late in that fight. Uh, so that was a really close fight. Taylor's number one, and Prograde really uh, extended him and was doing well late. He's, you know, he's a top prize fighter in the world, and he fought uh, a veteran that was once a prospect named Ivan Redkoch. Uh, Redkoch, uh, you know, put on a somewhat embarrassing performance, as everybody in the world knows about. Uh, he was just systematically getting taken apart, and uh, he got caught with a with an odd body shot to the side, but it was well above the belt. Didn't appear to hit him in the body hard, but it did. Maybe it got around his arms and caught him. He did seem to drop fast, but he feigned as if he was hit low, and once he started doing that, he took it to a a very, uh, a very high level of, of, of acting, and he ended up uh, getting removed on a stretcher. Uh, the fight was ultimately reversed uh, and given a TKO for uh, Progre. I'm not sure. I don't think that, that, that uh, flip of the result, it was a technical decision initially, but then it became a TKO. I don't think that helped the wagerers who had Progress at minus 500 for a KO and you know, if they put that in their parlay package, I believe that was probably a loss because the uh, the sites do not switch that back once it's announced. Those are usually in the rules in most of the uh, wagering sites. They don't allow a reversal like that uh, if it was changed three days later or so. So that's unfortunate. That's you know those those proposition wagers can be tough because. You're really pigeonholing yourself, and sometimes, even though you you have the you have the right outcome, you know the strong outcome, the strong likely outcome, those the odds you get on some of those are really not even worth it sometimes. So you have to tread on those very carefully. They can be uh, dangerous, and they can they can certainly bite you in the ass. So you have to watch those carefully, and you know pick and choose correctly on those kind of things. You know, those are something uh takes a little bit of thought and uh, practice on that. Uh, another fight on this card was um, Steve Cunningham, former Cruiserweight champion, weighed in at 206, looked good. Fought former uh, UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir, who came in at over 270, but actually looked pretty good at the weight. Uh, looked like just... Didn't look like a sparring exhibition. Cunningham got the better of it. Never hurt Mir at all. Uh, and just uh, popped his way to a decision. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Mir took the fight. He wasn't going to beat a guy of Cunningham's caliber, but he was certainly physically strong enough to uh, to hang in there and uh, and get through it without really getting hurt. I... I you know, I just looked at this briefly and just figured, oh, Frank Mayer's a, you know, washed up bomb. He'll probably just get stopped. But I guess the guy still isn't training. After the fight, I looked at his uh, Twitter a bit. He's a pretty rugged guy. He, uh, They showed him uh, deadlifting 600, which was kind of cool, and squatting 610. So he's obviously a physically strong man, and he's in the gym. And uh, his physical strength... And size allowed him to do eight easy rounds with former champion Steve Cunningham. And, of course, he came up uh, short on the cards. Uh, It was a wild night, that Triller card, by the way. Uh, As the boxing community knows, there was uh, uh, blunt smoking, drinking, uh, uh, inebriated people. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya made a guest appearance during the uh, Cunningham Frank Mir fight. I don't think he did himself a service with how he sounded. Uh, he was swearing; just seemed uh, 
seemed out of sorts, uh, just just sort of talking gibberish. Not a not a place you'd want to be for someone, an esteemed owner of a promotional company. It wasn't a good look. Uh, you know, I felt badly for Oscar. Obviously, he's had great successes in his life, but it just kind of showed a a dark spot of his uh, of his soul in this in, in that little display. He, he seems to be sort of an empty guy, in spite of all his accolades. Uh, came across uh, kind of sad. So I hope he uh, gets the uh, assistance he may need. It's, you know, it's hard to see someone in that kind of uh, position, you know, someone with so much success that seems to be in uh, in some pain. But that is how it happens sometimes. Uh, it's hard to speculate on why that would be. Maybe he misses being the star. I mean, there's a lot of things you could, you could uh, pontificate on as to why he's in this state, but uh, he just uh, just seems like he's unsettled. And now he's talking about fighting again, but he sort of has an appearance of someone that's been uh, at the bar for a couple of years. He's his once uh, chiseled, uh, handsome face looks sort of like a moon face. He looks like he's not ready for any kind of real. Uh, competition from a fighter so I you know obviously I don't think that's a good idea but he's going to do what he chooses to do but uh, it was tough to see that actually it was a little cringeworthy to watch uh, Oscar in that mode Uh, now for this week there's still a little bit more to go over before I get to uh, this weekend's um, fights Uh, there was also a fight uh, last weekend uh 18-year-old uh, prospect, undefeated Vito Melanicki, was upset by James Martin. Well, Martin was a uh, practitioner out of Philadelphia, perhaps a 15-to-1 underdog or so. Uh, had a mediocre record, lost uh, to a few people that didn't appear overly impressive. But when they were in the ring... Uh, Melnicki, who's usually a welterweight, it was an over-the-weight fight, and they were at about 152. It was noteworthy how strong James Martin looked, and he uh, pretty much outfought Vito Melnicki every step of the way. And Melnicki was highly touted uh, by many. Uh, and it should be noted that James Martin is the son of uh, Jerry the Bull Martin, uh, who was a very well-known contender back in the 70s and 80s who had three title shots. He came up short on all of them, but he's probably most well-known for uh, upsetting uh, contender James Scott, who fought out of Rahway State Prison. Jerry the Bull Martin came into uh, Rahway and uh, handled Scott very well. Uh, Martin was a tough out in the 70s and 80s, a very, uh, very good uh, light heavyweight. Uh, but there was, that was a very good uh, division at that time. I can recall him getting stopped by, uh, by then Dwight Braxton, now known as Dwight Muhammad Kawi. But Braxton was a, was a complete beast. Uh, so that was a tough night for... Uh, Jerry the Bull, but it's interesting that his son is uh, continuing on. He's 23 years old, and he upset uh, a very young prospect, looked strong doing it, showed, uh, showed what he's about uh, and what he's, uh, the substance he's acquired in those Philadelphia gyms that he works out at. So great upset for him. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, pick it, but uh, I figured it was noteworthy to to talk about it briefly. Now, as for last weekend's fights, we had a great fight with uh, Emmanuel Navarrete, uh, who's recently moved up to 126 after dominating the 122-pound division, which is super bantamweight. He defended against a very game Christopher Diaz, who uh, came with all he had, fought very well, and just when it seemed like he was... Uh, 
getting a foothold in the fight, he uh, he got hurt and dropped uh, several times. But he kept getting up and fighting his way back in. Uh, but Navarrete is just uh, unique in his uh, style and abilities. He's long and lanky. He doesn't appear physically strong when you look at him. He's kind of soft in the middle, which is unusual for that weight. But he's just so relaxed. He takes a great shot. He He's very long. He, he, flow, he throws fluid, hard punches from odd angles. And while Diaz was working really hard to get to him, Navarrete was able to uh, just uh, sort of sidestep him and hurt him when he... Uh, when he felt the time was right. And uh, it was a very impressive display by Navarrete and a very determined display by uh, Christopher Diaz, who went the distance a few years ago with Shakur Stevenson, uh, winning two rounds out of 10 on a couple of judges' cards, I believe. But Navarrete uh, was, uh, was quite impressive on the night. He's, uh, he's going to be a very difficult out at 126 for sure. And uh, I look forward to seeing him uh, down the road. I could imagine him moving up to 130 at some point with his height and his apparent difficulty uh, in making weight. Another undercard fight on this uh, event was Jermaine Ortiz, who's from my area, the Worcester area, fought uh, Joseph Adorno to a eight-round majority draw. Now, this was an interesting fight. Adorno was a two-to-one underdog who I backed because he's somewhat of a sharpshooter. He's got good reflexes. He's a hard puncher. Uh, and this was sort of a contrast in styles that uh, just shook out to be a draw. Ortiz was the game busy fighter, uh, fought very hard, threw more punches, was very aggressive while Adorno uh, laid back more, covered up, picked his shots, and countered, scoring two knockdowns, really busting up Ortiz, hurting his, uh, he appears to have made, he may have broken his nose. Uh, and it was, it was an interesting fight, a good fight. It was frustrating for Adorno backers as it appeared that uh, if he had won the last round, he would have won the fight. Uh, but he just didn't seem to have the uh, the energy to uh, to press him. So Ortiz was able to you know impose his style on Ordono quite a bit in terms of the volume and the and the pressure and aggressiveness and determination. While Ordono was able to also use his style in terms of uh, avoiding a lot of shots, blocking, countering with hard hard counters, hurting uh, Ortiz. Uh, several times, but neither could uh, do enough to uh, overtake the other. Obviously, I felt Adorno uh, could have been busier and moved his hands more, but, you know, fighters who are, are who they are. You, it's hard to change uh, what you do in matches. It's, if it goes against what you're used to doing, it is, it is a difficult proposition. And, uh, Adorno just wasn't able to, uh, in spite of hurting uh, Ortiz and really breaking him up a bit, he wasn't able to uh, to go forward and seize control in a way that would appear that he could have upon uh, the very ragged seventh round Ortiz had. Uh, it's kind of odd. Adorno uh, seemed to comply and let Ortiz dominate the eighth round, seemingly thinking he had done enough, but he had not because uh, Ortiz obviously won more rounds, but with two 10-8 rounds, uh, Adorno uh, was able to get a draw. So it was a good fight, but frustrating in the regard that <coughs> Adorno seemed uh, like he left something in there that he, he didn't, uh, you know, he could have done more in there and didn't, while Ortiz left it all in the ring and really just laid it all out there. So... That's what it is. That's that's boxing sometimes. Uh, another fight on that was the very uh, well-known Edgar Belanga, who uh, had racked up sixteen KOs, all for all by the first, all in the first round, and he was fighting. He was stepping up uh, 
fighting a decent opponent in Damon Nicholson in an eight-round fight. Uh, this was a fight that I backed the over one and a half rounds in, and uh, and I was sweating it out early because I have to tell you, Berlanga can punch. He is very heavy-handed and throws very hard punches. I, I could feel the wind on his misses, and uh, he is a dangerous guy. It's good he got eight rounds in. There are some people that think he's limited, but I think he's got a future. He's very young. He's in his early 20s. I think he's going to improve. Uh, he was never under any super duress in this fight. He scored four knockdowns. <coughs> Excuse me. As he uh, barreled through Nicholson, nearly got a KO late in the fight. Uh, in the eighth round, he really hurt him late. So this can uh, only help him. He'll settle down a bit. And, uh, you know, you can't really teach power. He does punch very hard. His hands are sledgehammers. So he'll still, uh, he'll he'll make a lot more noise in that division before it's said and done. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. And now he can just take fights and not worry about the uh, the pressure of scoring an early KO. He can just... Uh, win rounds and uh, and take better opponents. But I do believe he will score a lot of KOs along the way. He's He can bang. He's he's a big puncher. All right, now on to this weekend's action. We have three cards that I mentioned earlier. Uh, there's a card on Friday with uh, an African fighter visiting the UK, Marute Mithalani against Sonny Edwards. Mithalani has been a terrific talent over the years. He's getting up there in age. And uh, he's not winning as easily as he used to. Sonny Edwards is a slick uh, UK fighter, younger fighter. He's coming in as the slight underdog. But he is at home, and uh, and he's he's one of those guys that Moves around a lot, uh, not easy to catch. Looks like Mathani's, Mathalani's slowing down. I think it's a good time for Edwards to uh, to be in this fight. I expect uh, if it's close, he will get the benefit of the doubt. As Mathalani's not really scoring a lot of KOs in the last few years, and has had some, uh, he's been extended in some bouts, so. I'm looking for the mild upset with Sonny Edwards, so that's uh, that could be an interesting play on uh, Friday. And also you have Olympian Michael Conlon, who's in with Eonut Baluta. Uh, I, know, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but we'll just call him Baluta. Baluta can fight. He's upset a couple of UK uh, opponents, and he... Uh, he can bang. He can punch a bit. He doesn't have a good KO record, but he's uh, if you back him into a corner, he's going to fight back. And he's got quick hands. Uh, I haven't seen the odds yet on it. Colin will be a massive favorite. And probably the intelligent play on this is a Colin decision because I don't think Colin knocks out too many people. I do not think he'll knock out Baluta. So the logical play is uh, a Colin decision win. However, if uh, Baluta was... Uh, a significant underdog, which he may be. He might be worth uh, a bit of a play. Well, actually, there are some lines on it. I think he's about a 3-1 to one underdog. So that's worth some consideration. In all honesty, I need to review that a little more. But uh, Colin decision or Baluta uh, by upset uh, could be a possibility. He's a good fighter, but it's hard to win in the UK if you don't score a KO, so he uh, he's probably up against it, but Baluta can fight, so it should be a should be a decent fight as it stands. Uh, another card on DAZN on Saturday, the main event, uh, Derek Chisora versus uh, Joseph Parker. Now, Parker's, uh, I gotta say, has been somewhat of a disappointment as of late. He really struggled with Junior Fa in his last fight, and it looked like Fa was outboxing him. Uh, 
at many points in the fight. Uh, Parker a couple of times, you know, rushed him and tried to be aggressive with him, but he did not look good. His body doesn't look like it used to. He looks like, uh, I don't know, I guess he got popped at one point for pads. He doesn't look like he's using any more to his detriment. And Chisora is uh, it's kind of amazing. He's still around. He's 37 years old, and he keeps plugging. He looked washed several years ago, but the guy is still a tough out. He's still a very tough out. He gave Alexander Yusek a very difficult fight. Uh, several months back, and he's just a—he's just an old war horse. He's very strong, stocky, six one, two forty-five, two fifty. Just a—he just keeps plugging. He's got a back like he chops wood all day long. Uh, tough guy. His overhand right's uh, nasty. Uh, he's about a plus one fifty underdog in this fight, and. Uh, you know, when it comes to cojones, I'd have to say Chisora has it all over Parker all day long. And Parker obviously is probably the more naturally talented, but but Chisora is going to be bringing pressure. And Parker really hasn't looked great lately. And I guess he's uh, looking at some kind of uh, drug charge as well, which uh, can't be sitting too well with him uh, back in... Uh, New Zealand. Uh, so I think Chisora has a very good chance of uh, upsetting Parker here. They're in the UK. Uh, you know, Parker just, he he hasn't lived up to his potential. He just hasn't looked great. He really hasn't had a solid fight since he beat Andrew Ruiz in a close fight. Uh, and he seems to mail it in. It looks like uh, he got... Knocked down a couple of times by Dillian White and dominated. And he's really not who we thought he was. I don't think he's uh, he's not acting like the talent that people thought he was uh, a few years back. Chisora could get him out of there. The KO prop is plus 300. I wouldn't be surprised if Chisora, if Chisora uh, stopped him just on his pressure and Parker... Uh, Seems to be there these days. He's not really using his speed to his advantage. He just looks flat. So I think Chisora uh, could be in a good position here. And you have Dimitri Bivol, one of the most talented light heavyweights in the world who's been uh, missing in action for a while, fighting a domestic uh, in Craig Richards, uh, local UK product. I expect a Bivol win. Probably inside the distance, but you got to lay minus uh, 300 for that prop. It's not that exciting to me, but I do expect a B-ball win, and at least we'll get to see him again. And we have James Tennyson, who's been uh, on a tear as of late, scoring a lot of KOs against unheralded Giovanni Strafon. I expect another Tennyson KO win. Uh, Katie Taylor's on the card against Natasha Jones. I don't really get into female boxing too much, probably another Taylor decision win. Uh, I don't care, but that's probably what happens. Uh, so if you like that bet, that's probably the safe uh, way to go with that. Uh, Chris Eubank fights, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. fights Marcus Morrison. I expect a KO win for the quick-handed uh, Eubank in that fight. Campbell Hatton comes back for a second fight. He didn't look that great in his first, but he certainly earned the win in that one. Uh, and that brings us to Saturday. Big card in Carson, California on Fox Pay-Per-View, a PBC card. Uh, the main event is Andy Ruiz against Chris Ariola. Uh, Ariola is... You know, it's been a long time heavyweight uh, contender, fringe contender, fought for the title against uh, uh, Vitaly Klitschko, came up short, uh, came up short twice against um, Bromaine Stiverne. Uh, so, uh, you know, he went through met much of his career just uh, not committing enough. And while he, while he was very game in his fights, he came in generally... Uh, 
out of shape or didn't train hard enough prior to the prior to entering camp. So kind of cost him, and he never became the first Mexican uh, heavyweight champ that he desired to be. But he's uh, he's back. I believe he's with Joe Goosen, who I like quite a bit. And uh, Goosen uh, got a lot out of him in his last fight, got him to throw over a 1,000 punches against... Uh, <coughs> Uh, the Polish fighter out of Brooklyn, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, but it was a 12-round war. Ariola came up short, but, uh, you know, he showed some grit in that fight, uh, biting down and throwing all those punches. Andrew Ruiz, as uh, we all know, uh, you know, had an amazing uh, upset win over Anthony Joshua 2019, but... With that win, uh, gained back more weight, had a six-month party, and uh, came into the rematch much heavier than the first fight and lost a dreary 12-round decision. He hasn't been seen on the ring since then. He's made some appearances on social media, training here and there, but it appears that uh, he is with Eddie Reynoso now, uh, which is Canelo's trainer, and he's getting himself in... uh, Good shape. Uh, there's images showed showing showing him in decent shape in, in various angles. Obviously, he's never going to be uh, he's never going to be a shredded rip fighter, but he doesn't need to be as long as he's in the gym and uh, training properly. If he weighs between two fifty and two sixty, he's uh, he's good. I expect him to earn a KO win over Chris Ariola in a battle of Mexican American heavyweights. Uh, another fight on the undercard uh, is Sebastian Fondora, who's a six foot five junior middleweight out of uh, Northern California. Now that's a crazy height for that kind of weight, but he's uh, he's got a lot of fanfare. People seem to think a lot of him. Uh, he did have a draw a few fights back against a decent opponent. Uh, but not that great an opponent, but he has looked good in his last couple of fights. And he's fighting the old KG veteran Jorge Cota. Now, Cota got absolutely blown out by uh, by one of the Charlo brothers because he just doesn't have the speed to contend with that. But he is a dangerous guy. I view Cota as a dangerous fighter. He gave Jason Ravello a very close fight who, as you know, upset Julian Williams to win the junior middleweight title. Uh, if a guy doesn't have a lot of hand speed over Kota, Kota is in your face and throwing bricks back at you. I, I see this as a dangerous fight for Fondora. Uh, I expect Kota to come in as a heavy underdog in this fight, and I think it's a fight he could win. Uh, he looked good in his last fight against Cornflake Corn Lamana, who's also on this card. He... Uh, you know, after a round or two of just kind of feeling him out, he just broke him down. He can, uh, he's a dangerous veteran with heavy hands. And as long as he's not overwhelmed by someone like Charlo, who's really, you know, next level talent, he's in the fight. He can, he can hang in with Fondora, who I don't, I'm not down with all the hype on him as much as others. I think he's kind of a gangly Freaky-looking dude, and someone's going to get him, and it may be Coda in this fight. Um, hoping it is. I hope the odds are good because I will back Coda if he is a uh, significant underdog, which I expect him to be. Uh, all right. Now next on this fight is Aris Andy Aris Landy Lara uh, fights Thomas Cornflake Lamana. Now, Lara's been around forever. Uh, he had a draw a few fights back with um, Castano out of Spain. Uh, he was he lost to uh, Jared Hurd. He's, he's on the back nine, but he still obviously has good ability. He, he's, you know, he was a great Cuban amateur, and he's had a very good pro career. Gave Canelo a very tough fight years ago, maybe in, I think in 2014 that many thought he won. I expect him to get over on Lamana, probably by KO. 
I think he should get him. He's not a busy fighter, but he should be uh, precise enough that he can hurt Lamana and uh, and that. And now there's some other interesting undercard fights here that should all. I would expect they would all have betting lines on this. Uh, you have Eduardo Eduardo Ramirez uh, against uh, Isaac Avalar. Now Ramirez, you may remember, had a great. Uh, K.O. win in his last fight when he, uh, who did he stop? He st- I think he was an underdog. He stopped Miguel Flores, which was a great fight. Five rounds, that was a terrific fight. He stopped Ledwan Bartholomew in his fight before that. He lost to Claudio Romero prior to that, but the guy's a young, solid fighter. And uh, Avalar, I just don't view, I don't rate him... Uh, up there with him, he lost, uh, he lost to a 14-13 and 13 fighter, got KO'd by Stephen Fulton. And I don't see anything extra special about him that he will uh, press Ramirez. So I like Ramirez in that fight. I do expect he'll be a favorite, though, in that fight. But uh, I do like Ramirez, probably by KO, actually. Uh, another fight, interesting fight, this should be a real war, is... Uh, Omar Figueroa Jr. versus Abel Ramos. Ramos, you may recall, fought uh, he fought recently and uh, came up short. Uh, came up short in his fight. Uh, he had a fight with um, he had a fight with Jordanus Ugas. And he didn't do much in the fight for most of the fight, but he uh, caught him late in the fight, hurt him twice. And on uh, two cards, he came up short, 113, 115. And prior to that, he was losing on points to Brian Perella and then scored a dramatic 10th-round uh, TKO. He holds a 10-round win over Francisco Santana. And uh, he's a good fighter. Yeah, he, he doesn't always move his hands when he should. Or he's not always busy enough, but he's he's been around. He's a veteran. He's fought a lot of people. Lost a close decision to Dem- Jamal James, who's a very tall welterweight. Went the distance with Ivan Baranchek. Uh, was stopped. The only stoppage he had was to Regis Progre. So he's a very good fighter. And Omar Figueroa was someone that held the 135-pound title. But he's had some issues outside of the ring. I'm not sure exactly what... Uh, he lost a much wider decision to Ugas and uh, and had a you know competitive fight with John Molina. He stopped a shot Robert Guerrero and had a war with uh, Antonio DeMarco. Beat Ricky Burns in uh, in Texas, but I favor uh, Ramos in this. I just think he's the more grounded, steady guy. Figueroa is someone that seemed to have a lot of. Uh, talent at 135, but uh, ever since he, uh, in my view, I think he he had a really hard fight, even though he won widely against Nahito Arakawa at 135 in 2013. He was never quite the same after that. He seemed reluctant. I guess he's had some issues with uh, alcohol on occasion. He's uh, had a sparse career in terms of ac- activity. He's blown up in weight. He's probably fighting above his natural weight at 147, while I think Ramos is uh, more suitable uh, for that division. And I expect, you know, slugfest Ramos to come through. They, you know, they both have reasonable chins. But I just think Ramos is the more uh, consistent, larger guy, and I think he'll, uh, he'll get that done. I'll be interesting to see Odds on that. Uh, another another guy on this card is Ramos's nephew, Jesus Alejandro Ramos, who's 15-0 and 0 with 14 KOs. He takes on very serviceable veteran Javier Molina, who's 22-3. and 3. He has wins over... Uh, he has wins over Amir Amam, who was once a really good prospect but lost his way. In his last fight, he was soundly appointed by Jose Pedraza. However, 
Uh, he lost to Jamal James a few years back. Uh, so I think this might be Ramos's coming out party. Uh, Molina's a competent boxer. He's not a huge puncher, though. So I think he'll, uh, you know, I don't think he can, uh, I don't think, I don't expect him to score a KO over Ramos, and Ramos seems to be on the rise, uh, fighting well. This will definitely be a step up for him. But it's a test I do believe he will pass. So I will go with Ramos to pass this test. And uh, at 20 years old, 5'10 southpaw, and get past uh, competent veteran Javier Molina. So we'll see what happens there. And also, lastly on this uh, fairly full card is uh, Adrian Granados in an eight-rounder against Jose Luis Sanchez. I believe Sanchez is one of the brothers, uh, the fighting Sanchez family, who are all decent fighters, but they've never really uh, reached the heights that uh, they've desired. And judging by what I see on Sanchez, I I think Granados uh, just might be too much for the newbie. He's had some tough fights, obviously. He was stopped by Danny Garcia, but... He's given other fights, other fighters like Sean Porter, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, Sean Porter and Adrian Brown are tough fights. And if he's not overwhelmed with power and he's motivated, uh, he's a tough out. So I think Granados will get past him in an eight rounder, and that basically wraps up the weekend of fights. Uh, so I will. Uh, get this out shortly. I just want to see some odds come out first before I throw this out there. So uh, I guess that's about it for tonight. And uh, enjoy the fights, and we will talk soon. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye.